it is amazing love that Christ has died for us. He did not stay dead, but rose victoriously from the grave for our sins. That's something we want to emphasize again and again, and we want to do this morning. So as we begin, let's open with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, into this world to pay the price for our sins. Father God, we challenge this morning already through through song, through our Sunday school class together, Father God, of the preciousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his blood that was shed for us, who carried our griefs and bore our sorrows. Father God, I pray that you would, Father God, calm and quiet our hearts, our minds, from all the distractions of the world today. Father God, that now we would focus in on your Son Jesus, the price that was paid for us. Father God, that we we are people who are in need of redemption. And you have saved us. Father God, you've made a way through your Son Jesus Christ. Father God, we don't always take time to reflect or remember the weightiness of our sin. But Father God, I pray that now through your word we would be reminded how much you care for us. you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, as we continue our month study here in the month of February of our one another passages. Two weeks ago, we looked in Romans about honoring one another and our love for one another. Last week, we talked about keeping in step with the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, and how when we live for the Spirit, it puts our pride in check so that we do not provoke one another or envy one another, but rather through love serve one another. Today in, in Ephesians chapter 4, we want to look at verse 32 about what it means to forgive, to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. What does it mean to be forgiven? That two people who were once hostile towards one another, envying one another, bitter, angry, have now been reconciled. They have asked for forgiveness, they have apologized, they have said they're sorry, they have worked things out. We love a good redemption story, do we not? Be it in a novel, a book, a biography, or a movie, or a favorite television show, there's something about when there's hostility in play, but things work out in the end, it brings everything back together again. But then real life comes into play. Real life is often different. It seems harder. Anger and bitterness can rule our lives. Pride clouds our judgment. We can let it so quickly consume us with our thoughts, with our agenda, with how we've been hurt, how we've been scorned, and we refuse to forgive. Although as a believer in Jesus Christ, I know I'm to forgive, but I can always find a reason not to. But this is not how it's supposed to be among the household of faith. This is not how it's supposed to be among brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ in the church. We who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're called to live a different way. Are you known as a forgiving person? It can be such a challenge and difficulty to forgive other people because we can so quickly forget how much we have been forgiven. 
Ephesians chapter 4 is all about our new life in Jesus Christ, from verse 1 through verse 32. Paul is painting a picture of the old self compared to the new self, putting off of the old and putting on the new, walking in the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers in Jesus Christ, this is what our lives are to look like. As one pastor comments in this passage, in Ephesians, Paul gives us what is one of the most powerful verses on God also forgave you in Christ. That's what we want to look at this morning, to be reminded about how much God has forgiven us in his son, Jesus Christ. When we know how much we've been forgiven, we know how to forgive. When we know how much Christ has done for us, we cannot help but forgive others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, Be kind. idea this morning we want to consider is this. Forgive one another as you have been forgiven. Our ability to forgive comes from knowing how much we have been forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ because of his precious blood. How do we know? How do we know how much we've been forgiven? Although Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 is our main text this morning, we'll see a few other passages to support it. We need to slow down and reflect Paul reminds us through the leading of the Holy Spirit, forgive, because you have been forgiven. As Paul writes in this verse, he says, be kind to one another. To be kind, this is a command. We love commands. We love to be told what to do. We love to be told how to act. But if we're really truly, as we talked about last week, walking in step with the Spirit, words to us to be kind. It's a command, not a suggestion. As we see, it is an attitude of the heart that knows how much we've been forgiven. A demonstration of one who knows his or her position before the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come in the flesh. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. As we saw briefly last week in reference in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, keep in step with the Spirit is growing in the fruit of kindness. That we want to demonstrate towards one another just how we are to live. But then again, it's not just a command to be kind, to be told to do something. I tell my children many times to do something. And in their little five, uh, five and four and three-year-old minds, I can see it in their eyes, the resistance. All the time. My boys love to stand on the couch and jump, no matter how much they get hurt. If you look at my youngest, he's got a little nick right here this week from jumping on the couch. I went into the other room earlier this week, and I heard somebody jump off the couch. I heard a thud. Came back in and said, who did that? They're both there. One sitting quietly had moved. The other one's standing. The one standing on the couch says he did it. Jesus 
know I'm supposed to be kind. I know I'm supposed to live a certain way. But how quickly we forget and we make life all about us. But it's not just a command to keep in step with the Spirit and demonstrate it. Kindness is also an attribute of God. An attribute of God is His characteristic, what He is like. So when we're called to be kind, the Scripture is reminding us we are called to be like God. Because we can who shares all his attributes that God has demonstrated us for us. You know, we often, theologians often break it down to two categories of God's attributes. There's the communicable attributes and the non-communicable attributes. A non-communicable is one he cannot share with us, such as God is all-knowing. We are not God is all-powerful. We are not all-powerful. God has uh, communicable attributes. Those he does share with us. God is love. God is merciful, we're called to be merciful. God is holy, and we can be holy. God is also kind. He is a kind and merciful God. He calls us to do just that. David writes in Psalm 25, verse 7, he confesses, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. David writes, calling to remember God's mercy, his kindness. Remember not the sins of my youth, my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, he says, for your sake of your goodness, Lord, this is who you are. David is reminding the Lord, not that the Lord needs to be reminded, but through his song, through his prayer, we do the same. We were reminded of who God is, his promises, and it's assuring our hearts that God is good and that he is kind to us all throughout scripture. So it's not only a fruit of the spirit to it's not just a command, although it is, and we are to follow. It is an attribute of God. When we are kind to one another, being reminded that we are growing in the likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are growing in our relationship with who God is and what he is like. We are demonstrating that although we are such vile, wretched sinners, we serve a merciful God who has demonstrated kindness to us again very convicted this morning in Sunday school. Eric did a little word study for us on Isaiah 53 and just reminds us that we esteemed him stricken, a dead man born. It's hard to get over, but when we forget that, it's easy to forget how much we've been forgiven. We are called to be kind to one another. This is our theme, this is our key idea this one another church as our brothers and sisters in Christ are called now to demonstrate what the Christian life looks like. There in Ephesians chapter 4, look back to the very beginning of verse 1 of chapter 4. Paul writes, I therefore prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This walk is the Christian life. We call it a journey or whatever it is. We're demonstrating now, as new life in Christ, as believers in Jesus Christ, our lives are to be different. We are called to walk worthy of our calling in a manner worthy of which we have been called. With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Ephesians chapter 4, I said already, is all about our new life, how, it, how we are to live. 
not giving a foothold to the enemy, he says in verse 27. We want to testify the Lord is in control. We want to walk no longer in our old sinful habits, but as he has called us to live. And as chapter 4 comes to a close, Paul reminds us, remember to forgive. God gives us one of these powerful verses here to forgive also as Christ has forgiven us. Another One pastor says this, the implications are obvious. If Jesus can forgive us, then there is nothing for which we should not forgive another person. Should there be consequences for actions? Yes. Yes, there should be. We are held accountable before the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot just dismiss it as if nothing ever happened to sweep it under the rug and act like everything's okay. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we're called to be reminded that although we have been sinned against, we are called to forgive. Reconciliation must take place. Healing must be sought out. Restoration must come into play. Sometimes the consequences for the actions are severe. But we don't just dismiss it. We don't act like it never happened. pastor goes on to say, but we must be forgiving people. Jesus taught us to dwell on how he forgave our infinite debt, and then to be quick to forgive others when they sin against us. Not to forgive is to not rightly understand or appreciate how Jesus has forgiven us. Think on his kindness. Think on his love and his forgiveness to us daily. This is what we're called to do. We cannot dwell in This is what will change our heart. This, this is what will make us like him. I believe it was the, the martyr and the prophet, not the prophet, the preacher and the, the martyr, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in Germany during the rise of the, uh, Adolf Hitler, Third Reich, who resisted them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, It is hard to be angry with those for whom you are praying. To be reminded to go to the unsaved, those who've wronged us, we are called to forgive. And often that take, does take time. It can. Often it takes some time of healing. Sometimes it takes uh, an intermediary to in, help intercede for us. We don't just, just dismiss it. We are called to work things out. We cannot act like it did not happen, and we cannot just go on with life and hold a grudge because that takes us further away from the Lord. Anyone who has not goes on, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. This is what we are to do. We are to do it with a tender heart, or maybe as your translation might say, a compassionate heart. When we think of Jesus, every time I hear the word compassion, I think about all the ministry he did in, in the Gospels as we read. Jesus calming the storm, rebuking the winds and the 
people are coming to him from all the region, asking to be healed, asking for miracles. And he wants to get away from his, all these people with his disciples and go to the other side of the sea just to get away for a little bit. Even Jesus needed some rest away from the multitudes. And yet when they crossed the other side of the sea, the multitudes were there waiting for him. And the text tells us, reconciliation needs to take place, we remember the price that Jesus paid for us. We remember what he has done for us. I think the, po- the problem comes in that we so easily forget is because we forget how evil and wicked sin is. We forget how ugly and how sin has alienated us from God. How when Adam and Eve bit into the fruit and disobeyed the Lord and were cast out of humanity into sin. We forget so quickly that God chose Noah, the text tells us, because God was going to destroy the earth with a flood. Wow, this is a passionate God. But they were so lost in sin that he was starting over with Noah and his family. The story of Noah, the ark, animals, painted with on our nurseries and our children's storybooks. But it is a story of God's righteous judgment against sin. And again and again, God makes a promise that he will save his people from their sin. In the fullness of time, he would send forth his son to redeem us from sin because he is a gracious and compassionate. So in being called to forgive one another, to be kind to one another, tender heart, being reminded that if we are walking in a manner with which we have been called, verse 1, we are called to live like the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has forgiven us a great debt. So we are called to be compassionate and tenderhearted just as he is. And we demonstrate through our life that we have been forgiven. So through tenderheartedness, through compassion, through remembering the mercy of the Lord from which we have been saved, shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We like the idea of being self-sufficient. We like the idea of not having other people meet our needs. We like the idea of being in control. And for some reason, we like the idea that we can achieve by merit, by our works, that God will accept us. And even professing believers may not say that I'm in control, I'm okay, don't worry about me. We forget just how sinful we were, how sinful we are.
God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It didn't come to this point where we finally started to get our act together and achieved enough good works that God said, all right, Jesus, now you figured it out. They've met you halfway. Never worked that way. Never has. Never will. While we were still vile, sinful wretches, God sent his son. Eric read it for us this morning, but there in the Lord's Prayer, we're reminded of how we are to conduct ourselves. Turn with me, if you would, briefly, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, they come to him in the Gospel of Luke and the, the other passage, and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And here in Matthew, Jesus is running through process and teaching them what it means to live for him and how to conduct ourselves before the Lord. So we come to Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 and Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We come to him completely dependent, acknowledging that he's holy. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our submission to the Lord, that he's in control, we are not. He says, give us this day our daily bread that we are reminded that he is the provider of all that we need. And verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Forgive us for our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And Jesus even taught us in our regular pattern of prayer is what often is referred to as the Lord's Prayer. A pattern of which we are to pray regularly portion of that is dedicated to being reminded of the forgiveness we have received in the Lord Jesus Christ and how much we need to forgive on a regular basis. In reference to this passage from Matthew chapter 6 verse 12, the late Dr. R.C. Sproul says this, we tend to be far more ungenerous in forgiving others than God is in forgiving us. If God were to be as reluctant to forgive us as we are in forgiving those who sin against us, As Christians, we are forgiven people. We are called, we are likewise called to be forgiving people. And his words here are a great challenge to us as, as I first read them. He says, an unwillingness to forgive clearly has no place in the kingdom and may, in fact, signal that such a one has not experienced the initial forgiveness of God in his, in his or her life. What a sober saying we're a Christian, but truly not born again. Because that attitude of the heart demonstrates that we are alienated from God, not walking as he would, has called us to, but living for our self-righteousness, which is contrary to the Lord. So he says, tenderhearted, forgive one another. And how are we to forgive one another? The rest of the verse tells us, verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 4, as God in Christ how do you forgive? As God and Christ forgave you. Jesus Christ became our willing sacrifice for sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our
mercy, he that is God made him that is his son Jesus Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says this, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. The question becomes, how much have we been forgiven? The challenge for us would be to sit down and maybe write it out. Something I tried to do myself this week, and I found it quite a challenge, because the list is quite present and future. We've been saved, forgiven for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ without merit. We've been saved from hell. In the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ, we have been saved from eternal damnation apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled to God the Father. No more hostility. We can go before the throne of grace and find mercy and help in time of need. And through our forgiveness, through our salvation, we have been declared just. We righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ is counted on us who did not deserve it, but has been fully restored. That should cause our hearts to leap and to rejoice because we know the thoughts that pass through our minds. We know the actions or the words that we would like to say or do to get back at those who have hurt us. But when we remind it of just how desperate need of saving. Christ died for us. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. How much have you been forgiven? Sometimes that sober reminder needs to be sat down, maybe written out so we can see it with our own eyes. The price that was paid for us. And as I was, as I was going over this, this passage, I was thinking about you know, the implications of this. What does this look I was reminded of a, a passage in, in Matthew chapter 18 about the, the master and the servant who, grew, who owed a great debt, and he was forgiven a debt he could never pay. And he went out and saw another servant who owed him a day's wages or a week's wages, and he threw him in prison. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to take us to that passage. But then I was talking to uh, my brother here, Ben Robles, and he reminded me of another passage. That's the one I want to take us to. In Luke chapter 7, chapter 7, there is this passage of this wonderful reminder in the life of our Savior Jesus Christ. In verse 36, Jesus is dining at a table. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him, that is Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house that table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping. Why was she weeping? She knew how much of a sinner she was. She began to wet his feet with 
dining hall, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he said that to himself, under his breath, I don't know. I, I don't know how, what that is because Jesus heard it. He says, he said to himself, if this man, if this Jesus were a prophet, if he really was the son of God, reminded of Jesus' words to the sinful woman. 
much we have been forgiven. It should call us to forgive so much easier. One author says this, and I love his words. He writes, I can't get over it. Jesus died in my place. That needs to be the attitude of our heart each and every day. Let us never get over it. Let us never take it for even with Father God, with, with family members and friends who don't know you. But maybe through our love and our for, continual forgiveness that is, may not even be deserved, demonstrates the work that you're doing in us day in and day out, that we are called to be like you in all that we say and do, that we want to demonstrate that you have indeed done a powerful work in us, who has saved us from our sin. Father God, forgive us self-justification and self-righteousness. So often we're like the Pharisee, murmuring under our breath, saying if they only knew, forgetting how much we've been forgiven. At this time, I want to each day and go about our 